leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like him. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and this week I've got a very special guest. He's a fellow Sports Business Classroom alum and a regular on the program. The two of us have done uh, two versions of, of this pod that you're going to hear today, and we're, we're doing League Pass Rankings, a third annual version of this. Evan Dial, Evan, thanks so much for, for coming on. It's my pleasure, Garrett. Thanks so much for having me. And as you know, League Pass Rankings are my favorite thing to do, so I'm excited. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy to think, you know, it's already the third time we're doing this. Uh, time flies, uh, you know, when we, we met in Vegas uh Basically, what, two and a half years ago now? Uh, it is crazy when you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, how, how are things? How, how are you doing? You know, I'm pretty good considering the worlds we live in. <laughs> yeah. um, luckily, we have sports still. <laughs> the bubble was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly. We had good playoffs. And I, got, and I think the NBA has done a really good job considering everything and putting together a 72-game season and Hopefully it goes as smooth as possible. So, I mean, I'm excited. It's obviously weird and a little different, but I'm excited for it for sure. Yeah, and speaking of the sports world, I'm, I'm, I'm on cloud nine with my uh, brownies at nine and three. Uh, you know, That's something, uh, you know, we, I can already guarantee that we're going to have a winning record for the first time in, a, in about a decade. And uh, the playoffs, again, we haven't been in the playoffs since 2003, so... Talking about 17 years, potentially, where we finally break that playoff streak. I'm excited for you. I actually bet on the Browns to make the playoffs to start the season, so I'm super excited. <laughs> I specifically remember last year, uh, you know, I was I was pretty optimistic on the Browns, and, and even I think you were as well, and then it all came crumbling back to reality. Uh, and 
you know, felt like uh, the most Browns thing ever to finally have some optimism and then the, just the team fall flat on their face. But this year, the optimism has actually paid off and they're, they're doing well. So that's made me uh, feel pretty good as we, uh, as we're approaching the NBA season. But uh, yeah, uh, the NBA, of course, did a terrific job with the bubble in terms of keeping the players safe. There was no one that got infected with, with the coronavirus in Orlando. It'll be interesting to see how well they do uh, with, uh, with this season, with teams actually traveling and, and not having that secure bubble environment. But uh, before we get into our actual rankings, Evan, I thought, you know, again, this is the third time we've done these League Pass rankings and we've never actually talked about League Pass itself on these, so I thought that would be kind of a fun, uh, a fun way to get started on this. And I guess my first question for you is, what are your League Pass viewing habits? Of course, there are a variety of ways I think you can uh, absorb the, the content. Uh, you know, one way being, you know, you, you watch your favorite team live, uh, in you know when when you're you're not in the regional zone to watch the local broadcast, uh, you can kind of uh, do it like what a lot of people do with the NFL and and kind of use League Pass like NFL Red Zone where you go from game to game, you look on Twitter and see which players are hot and and go to that, and then you know there's uh, there's versions the like the way I do it where I'm typically a couple of days behind watching full game replays from from you know on a friday night watching games that aired on wednesday <laughs> uh so i guess i'm a little bit of a combo of those i'm a hornets fan i live in new york so i, I use it for hornets whenever they're on that's priority number one for sure uh, but you know if we're getting blown out or something which happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll go to just either whatever game is close, or if there's just like one good game, like one matchup I want to see in particular and focus on that game. But then usually it's just like whatever game is close, I'll switch there a bit. And you know, and that's I kind of use it like Red Zone. I don't do commercials. I I hop around a little bit, check on this player, check on this game, stuff like that. I mean, which is really the great part about it, for sure. So it's either, it's Hornets priority one, and then just close game, good matchup, kind of thing. Yeah, I think I'm in the minority in terms of, one, wanting to watch full games in 2020, but then also not really, um, you know, needing the game to be live. I know a lot of people just, like, can't consume sports if it's not live. I've never operated that way. I've never been wired like that, but... uh, I know, I know. Uh, you know, I'm I'm one of the few as far as that's concerned. But uh, do you? I mean, other than the fact that obviously we we both love the the NBA, and this is really the the only service that allows you to get as much NBA as you could possibly want. So you know, putting that to the side, do you actually like the service? Do you think it functions in a in a positive way? Do you think um, you know they're they're doing all the things that they could do to make this service as good as possible? Uh, it could be better for sure, but I would say overall, more good than bad. Like, it is a pretty awesome service. Like, it just as a whole, you say, I get every NBA game. Like, that's great. But, you know, there's, like, issues with weird games being blacked out that shouldn't, and, like, freezing it is kind of sad so there's like yeah there's holes but i don't want to complain too much i guess is kind of the point even though there's some annoying things about it 
Yeah, I mean, the I think just the pure monetary value you get out of it of, um, you know, again, this season will be uh, 72 games instead of 82, but that's still going to be a ton of, of games that you wouldn't be able to access anywhere else. And right. for, for $200, it's a good deal. I did want to, I do have a few complaints that I wanted to, to, to mention, and I, I typically am watching League Pass through the, the PlayStation 4 app and then also through the Roku app. And uh, I noticed, um, and a few years ago, they actually had the, the DVR capability where if you tuned into a live game, you could rewind to the start of that game even while the game was in progress. Um, but then I believe it was last year or the year before they took that feature away. Uh, another reason why I'm, I'm typically more watching the games after they've completely aired because I, I do like to occasionally pause or rewind and, and watch a, a possession again, you know. Uh, so that's, that's a feature that, uh, that, that's annoying that they kind of took away and, and uh, they haven't brought back. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's occasional issues with, uh, you know, there being errors, the, the feed going out for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, those are, those are kind of my main issues. And then the other one being like, you know, they, they don't have as big of a classic library. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of watching older games and, uh, you know, the, the collection, like they have, I don't know, probably 40, 50 games up there, but when you, when you factor in how many games they have access to that they could theoretically put on the service, it's uh, it's it's not that much. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting though. I, I didn't know about the uh, the rewind DR thing because I just I never really did that. But yeah, I don't know why they took that away. I guess. Yeah, it's um. You know, again, especially, you know, when, when you talked about the idea of skipping commercials, that's a huge uh, positive aspect of the service for me as well. And, and yeah, obviously you can, uh, when one game goes to commercial, you can flip over to another game. But uh, uh, it would be nice to be able to say, okay, I, I was doing something and I came in at the four-minute mark of the first quarter. Let me just go back to the start of the game and then I can probably watch the entire first half without uh, stoppages. Um, the only other thing, too, uh, I, I uh, am, it's just more of a convenience thing, but you know, I use YouTube TV and I have NBA TV on that. And instead of being able to go to the League Pass app and watch a League Pass game and and within the same app, go to the NBA TV game, I have to close the League Pass app, go into YouTube TV, and then go to NBA TV to go to that game and, and back and forth. So I, I wish that League Pass had some way of, of connecting your NBA TV service so that you could, you could watch both within League Pass as opposed to having to go back and forth. Totally agree with that. I've had that problem as well, and I, like it makes no sense why they haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that seems like a, just an obvious like a layup, but I don't know. But yes, I've definitely had that problem as well. Agreed. That's annoying. The the final thing I had in my notes. This is probably more complaints than you were expecting to get out of me for for a service that I have paid for every year and will you know it's an automatic purchase. <laughs> the uh, shortened games, you know, the condensed games. That would be something that I would be really interested in if it was done properly, but the condensed games on that service is literally just showing a bunch of the made baskets. 
Uh, it'll just do one possession where a guy makes a shot and then it'll skip forward till the next made shot, that sort of thing. I would much rather have like a more a representation of basketball where you see some misses in the condensed games and instead of it being just like a highlight reel package, it shows you the important moments throughout the 48 minutes, whether that's a 10-0 run that a team goes on and that includes the defensive stops, like those momentum swings. I would, I would love it if there was a 45-minute version that showed me the most crucial portions of every game and actually showed me what basketball feels like where you have a back and forth where you're seeing misses and makes and, and everything involved as opposed to just this you know extended highlight reel. I haven't done the. I've done a little of the condensed games. I just started doing more during like quarantine or watching old ones. But yeah, they they haven't figured out the right. I guess just balance of it. Yeah, it would take. It would obviously take a ton of manpower to do something like that. But I mean, hey, NBA, if you're if you're looking to hire people to do that, I would love to have that job where I just edit a, edit clips and. Uh... You would be the right man for the job for that. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, I guess that's all I had for uh, for league pass thoughts. But uh, yeah, again, I don't I don't want to make it sound like I hate the service. Again, I uh, I purchase it every year. I use it uh, extensively, probably more than any other uh, streaming service. So uh, it is uh, it is pretty great. But Evan, let's get into our rankings. And uh, we've always started at the bottom and gone up. So uh, let's hear who you have. As uh, the team you're least excited to watch in the upcoming 2021 season at the number 30 spot. All right, my 30th ranked team is the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> okay, I'm a little higher on them, but not much. Yeah, like they could, like Killian Hayes could be fun, Sekou in his second year. But I mean, this team is going to be awful. <laughs> Uh, who knows what they do with Blake, too, I guess. They obviously had the weird offseason, like, overpaying for a bunch of bigs with Plumlee and Okafor and Grant. It just, they're just kind of, like, I don't even know what's going on there, and they're going to be terrible. With They lost Luke Kennard, too, Christian Wood, so a few of their fun players. They're, they're going to be bad. Like, <laughs> and not even, I don't think, super fun bad, so I'm not that excited. I guess the yeah I guess the thing for me is uh, you know a lot of it comes down to Blake Griffin you know if we see the Blake Griffin from from two years ago they I don't even think they're necessarily that bad they could even be okay um, but uh, yeah that uh, that's a big question mark if he's if he's out for most of the season again yeah they're they're starting Mason Plumley at center they're going to be playing a rookie point guard heavy minutes yeah they probably won't be very good. Um, but yeah, like if Blake is a third team all NBA guy again, like, yeah, they're, they're probably a middle of the road group. And also, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta give credit to, to George Blaha and then the, the color man, uh, Greg Kelser, those guys do a great job. So those two alone would probably keep them out of the bottom for me. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I understand your skepticism that this team isn't going to be very good. And, uh, the management kind of put this team in a, in a very confusing position where you don't really know what direction they're headed in. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they're, you thought they were just going to tank and rebuild, but then they, like, got veterans and they kept Blake. 
so now they're just kind of an in-between land. And I assume even if Blake does come back and look like two years ago Blake, they'll just trade him before the deadline, I would think. Maybe they get some, like, fun young assets out of that. But overall, besides, like, Killian Hayes, who I'm kind of intrigued by, there's just not much for me to get excited about. Yeah, that's a really good point that you don't you don't only have to worry about uh, Griffin staying healthy, but uh, yeah, he could be he could be on the move via trade. Uh, so so my number thirty uh, is the Orlando Magic, and uh, uh, I'm also low on them. So. Yeah, and and a big part of that is that Jonathan Isaac is not going to be around this season. He was one of the the key young players that that I uh, enjoy seeing out there on the floor. I mean. Markel Fultz, I think, is is who he is at this point. He's a point guard without much of a jumper. Um, yeah, they, you know, they. I don't think they have any real young prospects that are super exciting. And yeah, they've got Vucevic, they've got Fournier, they've got some competency. But uh, yeah, they're kind of just in that. Uh, you know, as you were saying, they're probably going to be mediocre to maybe slightly below average, and it's uh, a not fun version of mediocre. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had the magic only a little higher. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Isaac. And there was a team, like, the last two years, they scrapped to get the 8 and 7 seed and just, like, ugh. <laughs> it's like, that's, like, our absolute ceiling. And we had to play super hard and deep just to, like, get there. And they just have no, like, fun. Like, what do they do with Aaron Gordon? Could they trade him before the deadline? Even Vooch or Fournier? And then the young guys, like, Fultz is, like, Fultz is Fultz. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even, yeah, Aaron Gordon, I think, a couple of years ago, like, when they first signed him to that contract, I think it was a four-year deal where the money was actually going down. I think he had pretty decent trade value, but I think a lot of teams have soured on him. He doesn't seem like uh, he's generating a ton of interest around the league. So, yeah, there's just not there's not a lot to be excited about. I, I do think they're... Their uh, announcing team of, uh, of David Steele and Jeff Turner is is solid and probably a bit underrated. They don't get talked about much, but uh, yeah, the on-court product, not not very exciting. So, Evan, let's hear who you have at number 29. Uh, at 29, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, obviously a good future with a thousand draft picks coming in, but, uh, this year is going to be rough when they just hold a bunch of bad veteran contracts. Uh, the only fun thing about this team is Shy, who I actually really do enjoy watching, but he'll be in over his head trying to carry this team. Uh, the rest of the pieces are like boring, except like Jordan and Baisley are kind of fun, but They'll be really bad, especially in the West. They're going to just get crushed, and that's what they, they want to do. So, Right, that's the big thing is they're they're actively trying to be bad, so uh, it uh, doesn't generate a lot of excitement to want to watch a team that's actively trying to tank. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Evan, and say that the Oklahoma City Thunder will be my number one team on the League Pass rankings when we do our 13th edition in 2030-31. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually, I don't, I mean, even the process with Philly, like, I don't think they got to this many, like, total picks. Like, this is insane. Yeah, it's, um, 
it's it's pretty absurd and it doesn't seem like Sam Presti is committed to stopping either. I think he's just going to continue to try to get more and more. Uh, and, and uh, you know, when you're actively trying to tank, when you're, when you're completely focused with every trade, every move, if you're focused on the future, you can win a lot of the value propositions. You can almost win it every time. So uh, I think it's just going to be a, a continuation for the next year or two and yeah, who knows what this team is going to look like, but uh, yeah, not not necessarily excited. Despite that, as you brought up, they have some they have some competent young players, some guys that could be fun to watch. But yeah, they're they're not going to try. So we'll move on now to to my number twenty eight, and uh, I've got the New York Knicks here. We are also in agreement. Okay, Knicks. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the uh, aside from. Mike Breen and, and Walt Clyde Frazier doing a great job on uh, on commentary. This team really does not have much to get excited about. I don't know about you, but I'm not uh, terribly enthusiastic and optimistic about Obi Toppin. I was not uh, someone that, uh, that liked R.J. Barrett too much last year either, so even the young talent that they've acquired does not... Uh, does not generate much excitement. Although Toppin, I think, will be a fun guy to watch. He's he's a guy that is a, a walking highlight reel waiting to happen. Even though I don't think he's going to necessarily impact winning as much as you would hope for a, a lottery pick. But yeah, you know, they, they're another team that just has a very confusing, like the Pistons, has a very confusing roster. The the decisions that were made this off season uh, didn't really uh, help the team. And uh, it's another situation where, yeah, they're going to be bad, uh, and and there's not any like superstar to get to to get excited to watch. Yeah, they're going to be super bad. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to like Obi Toppin will be a little fun. Julius Randle is Julius Randle. <laughs> like, I don't need like hopefully R.J. Barrett can maybe take a little step forward. Uh, I'm sure they'll be, Tibbs may get them a little better on defense, but I think they'll be a really bad offensive team. They have, like, no shooting, like negative shooting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even, uh, you know, Thibodeau, right, He was he's known as being this defensive guru, and he was a terrific assistant with the Celtics uh, when they won the championship in 2008, and obviously early in the t- 2010s with the Bulls. But uh, the NBA has figured out his sort of ice defensive system, and uh, he was he, he was unable to improve the Minnesota Timberwolves defense when he was there. So I don't even necessarily think it's a guarantee that the Knicks all of a sudden are going to be even average defensively just because they have tips. You're probably right. I doubt they'll be average. Um, I guess I still think they'll be a better defensive team than an offensive team (laughs) that's like they could be 21st in defense and like 28th in offense you know what i mean right yeah Yeah. um just like one of those teams which overall is obviously gross yeah uh and those uh uh, that offensive and defensive rating is why we both have them at number 28 so um let's uh let's move on to uh to who you have at number 27 I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> okay, I I gotta I gotta uh, um, let people know that are listening that we did not show our lists to each other before this, but I also have the Cavs at twenty seven, so three in a row. Wow, three in a row. Uh, yeah, I 
between this team. There's actually, like, Colin Sexton finished the season strong, and I know people think he's a, like, empty calories guy, but at least he's, like, fun and gets buckets. And Kevin Porter's kind of intriguing, but the rest is just, like, blah. Like, oh my god, who's their coach? <laughs> I'm uh, totally blanking. <laughs> I don't know their coach. Is it Bickerstaff? Well. It's Bickerstaff, that's who it is, yes. Uh, yeah, they're stuck with Love's contract, like Andre Drummond's are just like a weird, blah, bottom of the East team, and you don't know. I actually did, like, they drafted a solid rookie who will hopefully give them some defense, which they badly need, but they're, they're going to be terrible again. It's just like, they're a long way away. Yeah, they've got enough, like, uh, you know, I still haven't given up on Garland yet, and yeah, Sexton made legitimate improvements, and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. had a solid rookie season, um, and yeah, Okoro is going to be a guy that uh, I, I think is going to be solid defensively, arguably right away. He's got that kind of size and strength already. Uh, so, so yeah, they've got enough young talent to keep me somewhat interested the uh, announcing team, not very good. I've never been a fan of Austin Carr, despite the fact that he's one of the more enthusiastic uh, color commentators in the NBA. They also last year brought on Brad Doherty to uh, to be a, a, a second color guy on random occasions, and and he's like a he's a well spoken guy, but as far as like providing good analysis or anything that uh, you know. As an advanced NBA fan, stuff that I wouldn't have already thought about it. I, I don't. I think he comes up short. He, he doesn't really bring much that uh, Austin Carr doesn't already bring to the table. Yeah, I heard him a few times, and I, I, I would agree. It's just kind of blah, or just like really obvious statements, and there's not enough fun otherwise to make up for that. So that's 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 why there are twenty seven. Yep, uh, so my 26 was the Pistons, so who did you have in that spot? I had the Magic. Okay. So, yes, so uh, moving into the top 25 now, uh, I have the uh, Sacramento Kings here at 25. Wow, we hit it again. I have the Kings. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, all right, well, um, you know, this is another situation where I think they're going to be one of the worst, probably, what would you say, three teams in the West this year. Um, they, uh, yeah. they they lost Bogdanovich. They're, uh, you know, they still have De'Aaron Fox. He's a guy that's really fun to watch. If Buddy Heald can revert to his form from a couple of seasons ago, you know, they, they'll, they'll be a competitive team. They're not going to be bad. But, uh, again, I, I don't envision them making the playoffs. And, and, yeah, they're just kind of in a position where, they're they're still in rebuild mode, but uh, they don't have uh, outside of De'Aaron Fox and and I guess depending on how much or how highly you think of Marvin Bagley, they don't have a ton of young talent in there in Sacramento. No, and it's why they're the Kings. You know, two years ago, people were like, "All right, they finally got something with Fox and Heald, and they like almost they were like five hundred or something." Yeah, Bagley, but then. They find ways to blow it. I don't think Luke Walton's a good coach. Heald's upset. He's probably going to get traded for the deadline. They lost Bogdanovich. Bagley can never stay healthy. I actually really love to hear Fox, and I love watching him play, but the rest is just like, luck. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I like the rookie Halliburton too. I like that pick, but but Barnes is there, and then it's just like okay veterans like Holmes and like Bielitsa and stuff like that. And so now they're like not awful, but they're not going anywhere either. I think this is the year, though. Like I could see a bad start. Walton gets fired. He'll gets traded. Like they seem prime for. Uh, a five and twelve started, and things just go off the, you know, the rails. Well, and I could even see. I mean, yeah, I could definitely see that, but I could also see a scenario where things kind of go as as we're sort of expecting, where they're just below average. They're not terrible, and then you know, at the trade deadline, they get rid of the likes of maybe Barnes, Bealitza, Holmes, some of those guys. So you know, some of the guys that are making this team pretty watchable right now could be on the move, which. Uh, you know, is why we have them pretty low on the list. But uh, let's move on and, and hear who you have at number 24. The San Antonio Spurs. Okay, we finally are, uh, are different here. Um, I have the Spurs at uh, a little bit higher, and in this spot I have your Charlotte Hornets. Okay. Okay, that's My Hornets are not too far, so. The Spurs, let's... They have, like, some solid young players, but they don't have, like, the future guy, I don't think. Like, I like Deontay Murray. He's shown some flashes. He's good at D. Same with Derek White. Uh, Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson started doing some stuff towards the end. I like the rookie. You know, obviously, Pop will get the most out of them. But it's just like, what do they do with DeRozan and Aldridge? Can they even get anything for them at this point? What's their trade value? Do they keep them? I don't They'll be scrapped. They seem like a team that'll be in a lot of games, but just like lose them at the end. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm a little more. I don't know if I'm more optimistic about the the young core. I agree with you that they don't have like that number one guy, but I think they have. You know, other than that, I, I really like their young core. Yeah, the the rookie Vassal I thought was a steal at number eleven. He seems to be a potential really really good three and D player. I love uh, Derek White. I'm very high on him. Uh, I even like uh, Jakob Pertl, uh, the the center they were able to re-sign on a reasonable contract. They've got um, you know good depth out of their young core too. They they cover the whole positional spectrum with guys, and uh, yeah, they're just lacking that superstar. But that's a situation where yeah, maybe um, you know maybe they can find the next Kawhi in in the next couple of drafts theoretically, or uh, they could make a trade. To, to bring in that guy, but uh, I, I love the foundation that they're they're starting to build, and, and they've been able to thread that line of having some veteran guys and building up this young core pretty well. Um, I, I would be thrilled if they just told DeMar DeRozan that you're coming off the bench and playing limited minutes, uh, even though you're making $27 because I, I would much rather see some of those young wings get, get the time over DeMar. Yeah, I guess I'd be more excited if, like, Lamar and DeMar actually were in there. <laughs> right. And it was just fully the young guys instead of this weird kind of in-between thing. But it would not surprise me if they're better than I expect because they are the Spurs and they, you know, they have cash and they have equity. But I think we saw, like, toward last year, like, you know, they're not great. 
I mean, I, I would actually be pretty surprised if the Spurs are outside of the, the play-in tournament, you know, the, which this year, the play-in, you get to the 10 seed and you're still in the play-in. If, if the Spurs are outside of 10 in the West, as good as the West is, I would be a little bit surprised. I keep forgetting about the play-in tournament. And you have to factor that in. Like, if you're 10, you still have a chance, and if you get hot at the right time, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so that's definitely possible, for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Uh, well, I guess I'll talk about why I have the Hornets here at 24. Certainly, they were going to be pretty low, despite the fact that I, I, uh, I'm excited to watch LaMelo play. I don't think he's going to be good as a rookie. Um, the, the Hayward signing was a situation where I completely disagreed with the decision because yeah, just, it keeps them in this, uh, eight seed mediocrity that they've been in for a decade plus. Um, but, uh, certainly Hayward helps with their, you know, on-court product. They're going to be more fun, more competitive with him out there. So that's why they're marginally higher than what I had them last year, which was at 30th. But uh, yeah, you know they, they've got they've got some young talent in, in PJ Washington. Miles um, Bridges didn't really take the step forward last year that I would have hoped. But uh, yeah, they've got a little bit of young talent. They've got uh, you know some veteran talent in there as well, especially with Hayward. But they're another team that's going to be you know in my mind pretty pretty mediocre, and uh, you know they'll they'll probably at least be in the play-in in the East, or at least. You better hope they would be if they spent $30 million on Gord Hayward, but uh, I don't see much beyond that. Yeah, I'm not too much higher. I had us at 20. Um, look, I, I love the LaMelo pick. I'm glad we took the, the swing for the fences and go big pick, and I do think he's going to be really good, but I think I agree, rookie, there's going to be a lot of struggles, and, you know, eight turnover kind of nights or like a four for, like, 18 shooting night and stuff like that. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But I really like Devontae Graham. He had 18 and 7 last year. I think he could be like borderline all star. Yeah, I said it. But, <laughs> a borderline Eastern Conference all star, yeah. Eastern, I know, but that's it's something. <laughs> yeah. It's something. Uh, I'm with you on Hayward, though. I hated it. It was a total overpay. Even though he. He is the exact kind of player we needed. We needed a three. We needed another shooter and a guy who just kind of could do a lot of different things. But he's 30 and his injury history, like, that back end of that contract really scares me. And it shows we haven't learned our lesson in the big picture of desperately chasing the eight seed. Yeah. So I, but um, I think we'll be around the 10 seed. We'll be kind of okay in offense, still pretty bad in defense. I do like some of our young guys. Like, I still have a little bit of hope for Monk. I like P.J. Washington. I'm colder on Bridges now. You know, we'll be first. I think we'll be in a lot of games and lose them at the end. Yeah. I I'm, think that's it. I'm glad you brought up uh, Devontae Graham because, yeah, he's a guy that uh, – he had some moments last year where when he got hot, he was a fun guy to, to flip over to on League Pass. So He either has like 7 or like 30. <laughs> <laughs> right. But when he gets hot, it's fun. Yeah. And also, quick uniforms. Our new uniforms are flames. Absolute flames. Oh, yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at that. I was looking through a lot of the, um, a lot of the uniforms before we started recording. I, didn't, uh, I don't know if I caught that one, though. We got the new court too. We have the new city mint unis are 
all, all great. So, oh yeah, I think I I did see the court design where yeah, like the paint is that uh, is that sort of teal color. Yeah, it's 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 a good look. All right, so moving up to my number twenty three, this is where I had the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I have the Chicago Bulls. All right, so um, another team that uh, you know. I expect them to be a little bit better than even Charlotte. Uh, I was really high on them going into last year, and then with Otto Porter basically missing the whole season, uh, they just, you know, and, and also with, with Markkanen not really uh, having as good of a year as expected, they, they disappointed. But I wouldn't be surprised if they get back into the playoff picture this year. Uh, the hope is with, uh, with Billy Donovan there, who I'm not particularly high on, but he's better than Jim Boylan, uh, that uh, they'll they'll be a more competent organization. Uh, you know, I like some of the young, their young talent in, in Kobe White, and obviously Zach Levine is a, is a highlight maker as well. Uh, I like Wendell Carter at the, at the center position, a young guy that I think has some potential. Wasn't that high on their pick of Patrick Williams. I, I thought that was uh, a bit of a reach, but... Uh, yeah, I think this team is is going to be is going to be decent, and uh, you know it, it'll largely depend on you know Porter Junior's health, and then also the the young players' developments as to whether this team is an eight seed or more in like the eleven or twelve position in the East. I'm with you. Porter is a huge swing. I liked the Bulls last year too. I I actually I think I picked them to be my eight seed in the playoffs. Um. But yeah, without Porter, that was just a killer. And honestly, I don't know if he'll ever be like a consistently healthy guy anymore. So that worries me. And kind of honestly, now seeing it marketed, I'm kind of worried he could just be an injury guy. I'm cooler on him, and like he needs—he's a guy. He needs to have like a good start. Otherwise, I feel like he's just a trade chatter piece. Um, I do like Wendell Carter a lot, though. He's really good. And then, you know, Zach Levine is Zach Levine. He's like, if that's your best player, like, you have a ceiling. But they're, they're just, like, I'm, I'm rooting for their front court. <laughs> I hope they work. I do think they're good players. I just hope they stay healthy, and I hope they show improvement. Because that's, because then, you know, at least show, like, okay, we're heading in the right direction here. But they get hurt again, it's just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Markinen is a potential trade piece, especially with the with the drafting of Patrick Williams, who I look at as more of a power forward than anything. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But uh, let's move up to uh, to uh, to your number twenty-two, Evan. Who you got there? Okay, so this is weird because I think they're the favorites to win the championship, but I have the LA Lakers. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Here's my reasoning. I don't really care about them in the regular season. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the. I guess there is a possibility that they could just be kind of coasting as well themselves, knowing that, uh, you know, we only really have to step it up when when the playoffs arrive. I think, especially since their offseason was so short in LeBron's age, I think the first couple months especially, they're going to be straight coasting. And that's why they got Schroeder and Harrell, so they can kind of pick up the slack offensively in the meantime. And as long as they're in decent shape heading into the playoffs, I think they'll be fine. And then in the playoffs, they would jump up my rankings a lot. <laughs> because I still love watching both LeBron and AD, but I just feel like they won't 
take it that seriously at first. So I don't know. I won't, I won't, don't want to watch them as much. I guess. Yeah, I guess the um, the challenge being that one of LeBron or AD might be out for a lot of these games in the regular season would would hurt their watchability for sure. Um, but but you know I'm I'm uh, I'm higher on their regular season. Uh, in terms of uh, enjoying them just because of uh, who you mentioned, Schroeder and Harrell. I think those guys, while I think they're they're young talents that can help at times in the postseason as well, I think more importantly, those guys are, are big boosts for their regular season value. And uh, those guys will make them, this Lakers team, a little bit more fun. So, you know, if, if Anthony Davis, for instance, is, uh, is sitting out, you still have a LeBron-Harrell pick and roll that I think would be fun to watch. Um, and you know, again, LeBron and AD, those guys are both top six players in the NBA. So, uh, if either one of them are out on the floor, I think that, uh, provides somebody that, uh, most people would want to have their eyes on. So I've got them way higher, but, uh, I, but, but I understand your logic. Yes, my boy, I mean, Harold Schroeder, they, they will be fun. I, I like both those players offensively, just... I don't know, they're, they're just a, a wake me up for the playoffs kind of team. Yeah, so uh, my number 22, uh, and I'm wondering if I'm a little too low on them, especially after the recent trade, but I've got the Washington Wizards. Oh, I have them way higher. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could understand that. Um, is, it, is that more just out of curiosity as to like how Westbrook will fit in with this team, or, or what is it for you? Okay, so I agree that overall I didn't like the trade. And, like, you have a ceiling with it for sure, and there's a good chance it ends badly. But it's also like I have to watch and see what happens here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I actually think they'll be a very good offensive team. Like, they have a ton of shooting around Westbrook, which I like, so I think he'll be able to just do his I can rampage the rim a bunch. Uh, defensively, they'll still be really bad, but I think they could be an eight seed in the East. Like, sure, like they can make the playoffs. Is that great long term? It won't be enough for one Beal to stay around. Who knows? Probably not. But I like they were a really good offensive team last year. With them, they should still be. They resigned Bertans. They have like a couple who are like solid young guys: Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, Hachimura. They're all like okay to decent, so like, and I, I actually love watching Bradley Beal because he just cooks. It's gonna be an, it's gonna be a fascinating test case of Westbrook's real value because this Washington team, you know, prior to the bubble, I'd like I like to throw the the bubble statistics for the Wizards out the window because they didn't have Bertans or Beal uh, in Orlando. But prior to that, I, I believe they were a top five offense in the NBA. They just were like one of the worst defenses in the league. Yeah, they were. Um, so I'm fascinated to see, okay, does putting Westbrook in here instead of he'll essentially be replacing Ish Smith, does he take them from being like a top five offense to number one, or do they stay pretty flat? Um, you know, I think it's going to be really, really neat to sort of see what is Russ's actual value here in terms of, uh, you know, are the Wizards going to be improved defensively with him? Are they going to be improved offensively with him? Or are they going to be kind of the, the same team they were? I think they'll kind of be the same. I think this is a top 10 offense again. 
defense may be a little better because it's just like hard to be that bad twice, <laughs> but they'll still be overall bad. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing for me why they're this low is you know I get for the casual fan watching a one thirty two one thirty game, and I and I've I've said this over and over on on my podcast, but uh, um, you know I know for the casual fan watching those super high scoring affairs is uh, is really enjoyable, but for me. When uh, when there's really no resistance from the defense, that's kind of when I get bored and uh, want to tune to something else. So um, this whole like being the best offense and the worst defense uh, is is not that entertaining of a of a team profile for me. No, it's it's just like a it's a tr- attract me, you know, and but definitely that was just, but I actually like I kind of hope they make like the AC or something. I want to see those two in the playoffs just for. Fun. Well, and again, yeah, I, uh, again, factoring in the, the play-in, I, I would be pretty shocked if they don't at least get to 10 in the East. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's move on then to uh, to who you had at 21. 21, I had the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, I had Memphis at 19, so we're, we're pretty close. Yeah, uh, so they had a nice year last year. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. though is coming off a pretty serious injury. I don't know what the deal with is that he may miss some time. Uh, I really like him though, but I'm starting to worry about his health. Um, they seem like the team that overachieved last year and this year may take a little step back actually and underachieve. They're still just so young. They have no shooting at all. I do like John Morant and Brandon Clark. Grayson Allen actually becoming a thing in the bubble was a little intriguing. Uh, but they still just seem like a year away from doing anything, you know, actual noise, and they're in the West, which hurts. So I think they're just kind of, you know, a little bit below 500 team. Yeah, I agree with you about the the idea that uh, they're probably going to take a small step back from just a team perspective. And, and yeah, if Jaron Jackson was healthy to start the year, I would probably have this team a, a significant bit higher because I think just – JJJ and 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 John Morant alone are are worth the price of admission on League Pass, yeah. um, but when it's just one of them, uh, you know Jackson Jr. does so much for that team's spacing; it's just really clogged, and that makes John Morant, um, you know, uh, less productive and also less exciting because there's there's less opportunities for him to just try to dunk over people. Um, I like their young core, but uh, yeah, I think this is one of those seasons where everybody expects a young team to just have this linear curve where they just get better and better and better. But uh, yeah, I don't think it always works that way. I think it'll be a, a slight step back. I think in more due to just, I think, the strength of the West than it is just the Memphis themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years if this team is really high on, on these rankings. But as of right now, I think that's that's fair for you to have them at, uh, at 21 and, and, uh, I've got them at 19. So my number 21 team is the Indiana Pacers. Okay. I'm pretty close. I had them at 16. Yeah. So this is, this is one of the first teams that I expect to be like legitimately pretty good that I'm just not that excited to watch. Uh, yeah. I've, 
despite the fact that Sabonis is a good passer and a decent player, like I don't find him to be the most entertaining basketball player to watch in the world. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, a lot of these guys. Victor Oladipo, a couple of years ago when he was fully healthy, was really fascinating and and uh, you know really fun to to uh, view. But but now that he's he's lost some of that athleticism, he's kind of just a whatever player. So they've got a lot of guys that are just like yeah they're they're solid. Like even T.J. Warren, uh, he'll he'll put up a forty point game, and they're all if you watch the highlights, they're all just jumpers, floaters, push shots. There's nothing that exciting taking place. Uh, so this is a, just one of those teams where yeah they're gonna be good. Uh, I'll probably watch them a decent amount because I I tend to lean towards watching teams with winning records, but at the same time. If I can, if I can pick between Indiana and some of these other teams that I expect to be pretty good from a, a win-loss standpoint, uh, Indiana is usually going to get the short end of the straw. Yeah, so I do hope like we get to see him fully healthy this year. They never really got that last year. Like obviously, Oladipo was hurt, then Brogdon got hurt for a bit, then Sabonis got hurt in the bubble. Um, even Jeremy Lamb, my former. My former guy, Jeremy Lamb, got hurt. <laughs> so if they come back, like, that's a sneaky, like, if Oladipo can at least get back to, like, 80, 85% of what he was a couple years ago with Brogdon, who I like, with Sabonis, Warren, Lamb, like, that's like holiday. You have, you have some explosion there, but they still haven't figured out the Sabonis-Turner thing or, or been able to trade Turner and Sabonis should be playing five. So that fits always a little clunky. So it gets hurt. So I do like that they made a coaching change, though. So that hopefully can make them a little more exciting than the Nate McMillan. <laughs> right. Uh, Nate Bjorkren, who is an, who was an assistant coach for the Raptors under Nick Nurse. Yeah, I think he's going to be somebody that, that hopefully allows Miles Turner to be more of a, a stretch five and then also just... You might, uh, you know, yeah, just uh, get a little bit of the Nick Nurse playbook where you see them do be a little bit more experimental with their uh, schemes on both ends of the floor. So yeah, that the I hadn't really considered that, but yeah, maybe that would uh, would make me put them up a few more spots. Just the having a more a coach that's willing to try stuff and experiment uh, might make them a little bit uh, more enjoyable. Yeah, they're they're honestly a team I'm having. I haven't decided if I think they'll be better than people think or they're going to take a step back. I'm still, I've gone both ways with them. So, yes. It obviously helps, but, you know, they're mildly intriguing. Yeah, so uh, at number 20, I had the Spurs and you had the Hornets, correct? Yeah. And then at 19, I had the Grizzlies. Who did you have at, at number 19? I had the Utah Jazz. Wow, okay, so yeah, every year this is the big one between the two of us that we have a big gap. I'm always way higher on watching the Jazz than you. I know, I used to like watching them more, but now I feel like I lost them like less. Because, <laughs> like, obviously Donovan Mitchell is really becoming a player. He exploded in the bubble, and he's fun to watch, but they just seem like they have a ceiling, and it just seems like a movie I've watched before. Like, we're going to do a bunch of fun cuts and get Joe Ingles off the ball, and Moody Gobert is going to get lobs and be solid defense, but certain matchups will give him problem. We're pretty good. Like, our total offensive numbers are good, but there still feels to be, like, 
or a shooter short here or like a, a backup point guard short. Like they'll be in the playoffs again. Quinn Snyder is an amazing coach, but they just feel like a first round exit. Unless, you know, depending on the matchup. But that's me on the Jazz. It's just like, and what do they do with Gobert? I think that's an interesting question. Uh, who did they sign? They do get Bogdanovich back. They signed favors, which I liked. So maybe I'm being a little too harsh. But I just feel like it's a, you know, a 41-50 win team. But there's less game this year. But you know what I mean. That caliber of team. Yeah, so I'm a lot higher on not only their watchability, but also their um, uh, their potential success this season. Uh, I think they're... So what's the, the Jazz's ceiling case? I mean, I, I would say that they're like, they've got the potential to be, again, factoring in that it's 72 games, like a 55-win pace sort of team. You know, you looked at you looked at them in the playoffs last year. They took a Denver Nuggets team that made the conference finals to seven games without Boyan Bogdanovich, who was arguably their third best player. So they get him back. They add Derek Favors. I think that's a big upgrade as well, as their backup center position was below average, and now it's well above average. They basically have a starting caliber center as their backup. Um, the 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 growth Donovan Mitchell showed in the bubble. I think is uh, is pretty important, and if he lets that, if that bleeds over into this season, I think he takes them up another st- another step. And you know, I, I also thought uh, another positive from the bubble was Mike Conley seemed to finally figure out how to play pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. It, it was a real struggle for him, and that was one of the reasons why during the regular season last year. Uh, I didn't enjoy them as much as I was anticipating. It was because Mike Conley was just so awful. Um, but uh, it seems like he's kind of figured it out now, and he just needed some time to play with those guys and, and figure out the system and, and figure out uh, how to how to play with a role man as opposed to a pop guy in Gasol. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like what they did, and they also re-signed Clarkson, who they got at the trade deadline. I think he adds some more stability to their bench. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on the Jazz, and I think they're going to be really fun to watch. I think they're going to be a really good basketball team. And, and what I like that this team has now is they can play kind of the new style that they developed last year with, with Bojan at the four. And then in certain matchups, when it benefits them, they can go back to the old Utah Jazz where with Favors at the four and Gobert at the five and play bully ball a little bit. Um, so so they've, got some, they've got some versatility on this roster. And, you know, if Donovan Mitchell gets into, you know, has a, has a great year and, and moves into, like, a top 20 player level, yeah, I think the ceiling is pretty high on this group, especially when, you know, I, I still expect Gobert to be near defensive player of the year level as well. At uh, I think he's just 28 still. He is, and Mitchell, Mitchell's the swing thing. It's just like, how big of a step does he take this year? And if he does become top 20, you're right there their error goes, because that makes up for a lot of other stuff. And you're right, I mean, Conley was better down the stretch, too. So I can definitely see that, too. And there is an explosive world. I just, I guess I'm a little bit their ceiling and how things play out with Gobert. But you're right, they, they, they earn more trust than not. They're, they're a stable team. Yeah, and, and Bogdanovich, I think his absence can't be overstated. A guy that averaged basically 20 points a game and is elite, elite as a, as a spacer. 
and can create a little bit too. I think that was another thing that they could have used a little bit more of against Denver is just a, another ball handler, a bigger ball handler to attack different matchups. Um, but uh, yeah, so you had the, you had the Jazz at, uh, at 19, correct? 19. Okay, so moving on to 18, this is where, and, and maybe this will be low for, for some people, uh, but I've got the Houston Rockets here at 18. I have them at 17, so we're close. Okay, so I mean, yeah, it's it's just a situation where, um, you know, I don't think James Harden is, uh, you know, and I heard people say this for a while and I was kind of against it, but I'm I'm basically at the point where I don't really enjoy watching James Harden too much anymore. Um, you know, back in 2017, where he was leading the NBA in assists and, you know, showing off, showcasing his passing, his ball handling, his driving and his shooting, I thought he was an absolute joy to watch. But now with him basically taking step backs half the time and, and, and really mostly just uh, looking for his own shot, uh, maybe that'll change now that they've got Christian Wood back. They have an actual center, so they'll maybe they'll start running more pick and roll as opposed to just strictly isolation. But um, you know, the other issue with with Houston in general is that I think they're a team that's not only aging, but they traded Robert Covington, uh, so they're they're actively making moves to to duck the tax and get worse. Um, so. Yeah, they're, they're just a team that I'm not that excited for, even though, yeah, if James Harden plays all 72, they're going to be a playoff unit. That's the thing, right? I mean, James Harden, love or hate, like, he's a walking playoff ticket if he if he cares and, plays and stays. But we have no idea if he gets traded before the deadline, what they get back in return. Uh, but they're interesting in terms of, like, what wall is going to look like just health-wise, how he fits with Harden, if Harden, like, is willing to play off the ball a little with Wall. I actually really like watching Christian Wood play. He's super fun. Yeah. And I hope they do get into some more pick-and-roll. So there's, like, a world in which they're kind of a fun team, but more likely than not, I think Harden gets traded and they just kind of start rebuilding with more right. stuck there in, in that contract. And yeah, as soon as, uh, as much as I said, I've, I've kind of grown tired of, of Harden, especially, I feel like it was especially last year when they were playing P.J. Tucker at the five and really, uh, yeah, never running pick and roll was where I got tired of it. But he's still, you know, more enjoyable than, than a lot of players to watch just because of how talented he is. Uh, so yeah, if they traded him and say brought in a package that like was headlined by Karis Lavert, this team would go even further down this this list. Um, exactly. So so yeah, and and we've uh, I think we've mentioned this every one of these, but uh, you know can't be overstated how bad the Houston announcing crew is. <laughs> it's uh, uh, they I I I, I actively avoid. Uh, listening to to any of their broadcasts and it's really unfortunate when the rockets are on nba tv and then i'm forced to yeah they're they're not fun they're usually uh i mean i usually just have a mute or like music playing (laughs) 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 yeah so um you had houston at 17 who'd you have at 18 then i the minnesota timberwolves (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm significantly higher on Minnesota as a league pass team, not necessarily as a basketball team, depending on how high you are on that. 
Yes, I, I've gone back and forth. I consider having them higher, too. I actually think they'll be a very good offensive team. I like the Rubio pickup. And look, people hate it with the D'Angelo trade. They're like, oh my god, they'll be so bad on defense. But him and Towns are like a tailor-made pick-and-roll combo. Like Their games fit each other so well and offensively. And Malik Beasley was good. Um, Culver's still kind of interesting. And now we'll see what Edwards is. So there's like a chance they're a really good offensive team. But I still think the defense is going to be a huge issue. And I also just think there's like bad, like does Towns want out? Like I could also see it going south too with a bad start, which kind of had me worried. Like they're a team that like really needs to start fast for bad, you know, for good juju and vibes. Otherwise, I can see it getting ugly because they're just that kind of organization. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not high on this team from a, a, a win-loss perspective, but uh, I am high just in terms of their watchability. Uh, and, and maybe I'm being a bit uh, um, contradictory because I was low on the Wizards for being a really good offense and a bad defense, and that's what the Timberwolves are likely to be as well. I guess the West. <laughs> exactly the the couple of differences though is i just love watching carl anthony downs play offense i i probably enjoy watching him more than than bradley beal you may disagree with that and then the broadcast crew dave benz and jim peterson arguably one of the top two or three broadcast crews in the nba so just getting to listen to them is uh is a is a huge boost as well and they've got enough young talent on this roster that's like somewhat intriguing or just you know sparks some curiosity that you want to see what's going to happen with those guys whereas the wizards uh you know i'm not as high or as curious about what their young talent could turn out to be i agree i'm, I'm rooting for the wolves this year <laughs> like i hope i want them to work and i want their young guys to take steps and, you know but it just I, it's i think the defense will just hold them back there. but i agree they'll, they'll be a pretty entertaining team to watch for sure so uh, my number 17, and I'm guessing you're going to be a lot higher on this group than I am, but my number 17 is the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, yeah, way higher. <laughs> the, the big issue for me is like, yeah, if, if you would tell me Zion's going to play 60 games, I'd be like, yeah, uh, this team's probably top 10. Um, but I, I just... I. Uh, until it happens, until I see it, I'm going to assume he's going to miss more games than he plays. And, uh, you know, the, the roster around them is, like, still okay. Um, they've, they've made so many moves that are, again, like some looking to the future with Drew Holiday, but then some looking towards the present with Steven Adams. Um, they, yeah, so they're going to be, like, you know, again, kind of mediocre as a team, I think. Now Stan Van Gundy may... Um, may change things enough that they're above average in our, you know, borderline playoff team or at the very worst a, a playing team. But, yeah, I just, I don't think this is the year where New Orleans, like, you know, vaults into some other, some, uh, vaults into some new tier where they're, you know, going to be looked at like the, the 2010 Thunder where they're the, the up-and-coming team. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think they're still a year or two away from that. And, uh, yeah, just given Zion's injury issues... I've got them a little bit lower, but uh, you know, certainly with him and Brandon Ingram, they've got a lot of, of young talent that's uh, that could be intriguing to watch. So 
I'm like you were with the Wolves, with the Pelicans. I want to watch them, but I don't think they'll be very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do hope Stan Van at least like can stabilize the defense a bit and get them respectable. But they have just so many things I want to see play out, like how does Lonzo look after a terrible bubble, but he was good before the bubble? Lonzo always intrigues me. Can Ingram take another step? Obviously, Zion's in his old category, how much he'll play, how he'll look. And then, you know, they've got a couple, like the rookie this year's at West Alexander Walker on the bench, and then they could trade. And like they've Redick and Adams, as you said. So there's a world where it works. I just, like, I'm just, I'm curious. <laughs> like, they could be, they could finish with so many different records, and I could be like, okay. <laughs> I yeah. can see it going so many ways. Stan Van Gundy, I think, is a guy. I like him as a coach. I don't love him. I think he's going to help. I, I, the, I, I guess one thing that will improve their watchability just from from him being there is that I think there'll be a little bit they'll be a little bit more committed on the defensive end and especially in transition. That was one of the things that kind of turned me off from watching them is it just felt like they were going through the motions and as you said it a lot of their games felt like track meets and those uh, those yeah, games that sort of lack intensity are never that appealing to me. No, they were like just horrendous in defense last year and they like and they had better defensive players than they like they're more capable I think well they did lose Holiday now but I think he'll at least you know somewhat stabilize them on that end so hopefully they can get to, to respectable well and they still have Bledsoe essentially as a replacement who's a pretty darn good defender in his, yeah, that's true. in his own right so um yeah so I've got the Pelicans at 17 we'll find out how high Evan has them in a bit but uh who do you have at uh, the number number 17 spot I had the Rockets. <laughs> Rockets, okay. So, um, was there anything else about Houston you wanted to discuss before we move on? No, um, I'm very, I hope John Wall at least has like one, you know, another help. I used to really, I used to be a John Wall defender fan back in the day. So I hope for his sake he could have a bounce back here, even though, you know, God knows what it looks like. Well, and I, I wonder how much, um, you know, the change of head coach, obviously D'Antoni is gone and Steven Silas is in. I wonder how much that uh, that change is going to impact just how they look on the court and the scheme, the style, all that. Do you, do you envision some drastic change or just because, you know, as long as James Harden's on the court in a Houston Rockets uniform, it's, it's going to look pretty similar? That's the thing. I think there's a world if Harden would be okay with playing off the ball, like with Wall, and he could spot up and like assuming Wall looks like old Wall, like that could actually be super interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. super fun to watch. Maybe if they ran a little bit more too, but I I'm not sure Harden's committed to that or the team in general, so I don't know if we'll like really get to see it, which is the disappointing part. Well, and, you know, John Wall's game is so based off of that athleticism, that speed, that burst, and if he doesn't have that to the level that he did even in 2017, it's questionable how impactful he can be. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm. We're, neither of us are very high on Houston, although I, I think we both uh, believe as long as Harden is there that they'll be a good basketball team. So moving on to number 16, this is where I have the Eastern Conference champions, the Miami Heat. 
Okay. Uh, I'm pretty close, actually. They're at 13. Okay. But, uh, make, make your heat case first. Yeah, so, you know, the the team is, from from the moves they made in the offseason, I'm expecting them to go back to the Myers-Leonard at center lineups uh, with Bam at the four, which I think just makes them less enjoyable to watch. I totally agree. I hope they don't do that, but they probably will. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the um, when, you, when you talk about a, a condensed season as well, you got to wonder how much, like, the likes of, of Dragic and Butler and some of their older players are going to get days off here or there, uh, which, which hurts the, the watchability. Obviously, they've got some young talent that's fun and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and, and Kendrick Nunn. Uh, so yeah, again, you know, even though I have them 16th, I think this just shows, and, and we say this every year, how good the NBA is as a product that over half the, the teams in the league are really fun to watch. I'm going to watch a ton of, of heat games this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, given the, the lineups that they're probably going to use and some of those, uh, those issues with potential load management, uh, they're they're a little bit lower on my list. Yeah, I mean they're just kind of like the. I mean they're always they're like really good. They're tough and scrappy, but it's not always the most enjoyable basketball to watch. Even though they got hot, obviously at the right time last year. Like Bam's awesome. I hope he's at the five a lot. I've always been a Jimmy Butler guy. That dude is an absolute beast. Yep. And really good, and I think has officially become a superstar. I'm actually colder on their young guys than most. Like, I'm not a big nun guy. I think Tyler Hero is a little overrated, honestly, even as much as people love him. And I actually think they could take a little step back this year. They'll still be, like, really good, but I'm not sure they're, you know, rep in the finals again, but you know what I mean? So, so when you say take a step back, do you mean even a step back from last year's regular season or just their bubble performance? I guess from their bubble performance. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're probably going to see a similar similar team. And, and yeah, I think it, it might be just a matter of, yeah, maybe their young guys improve a little bit. Maybe their, their veteran players take a, a slight step back. Of course, they, they lost uh, Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr., so they don't have as much... Uh, of that uh, sort of wing versatility and size, which I think will Brad hurt them. Was a really big loss. Yeah, uh, you know they replaced him with Mo Harkless, who I think, just in terms of his quality of a player, I, I think uh, they're they're pretty similar. But Harkless isn't as big; he's not as capable of defending at the four position. Yeah, and I think that's where they'll miss him. They they can get a little small at times, and if they do have to play big, they. Had to play like Leonard or Olenek, which comes with its own issues. Right, and Avery Bradley was a pickup for them, but another small guard, good defender, but small. So that again, those uh, those changes uh, leads me even more to believe, and the fact that they committed and re-signed Leonard, that they're they're going to stick to that bigger lineup. Um, so yeah, I think we're 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 pretty much on the same page there. But yeah, who did you have at uh, at your number sixteen spot? The Pacers. Okay, so um, yeah, let's move on to our top 15. And at number 15, this is where I have the Golden State Warriors. Wow, we're one spot off. I had them at 14. Okay, so um, 
I guess the first thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, speaking of, we haven't talked too much about like jerseys and stuff, but their Oakland, we believe throwbacks dating back to 2007, that team with Baron Davis and Steven Jackson, those jerseys look fantastic. I'm really happy they're bringing those back. Uh, and, uh, this is going to be the first year we see their new arena, which will be cool. But, uh, you know, as far as the on-court product, this all comes down to Clay Thompson. If he was playing, this team would be in my top five. But uh, because he's out and, you know, they've replaced him with largely mediocre shooters, I uh, just, uh, I again question whether this team is going to be a playoff team. Now with the play-in, that's more, it's it's easier for them to, to potentially get in. But uh, I, I think this team is going to struggle to, to even play at like a 500 level. And in large part, again, it's, they're so heavily um, reliant on Curry and Draymond Green staying healthy, and it was the same way last season. And as soon as Curry went out, and even before Curry went out, they were getting annihilated. But uh, you know, as soon as Curry was out, their season was just done. So uh, that's that's my big concern. When you lose a guy like Clay Thompson, it makes any injury to Draymond or Steph, even for a week or two, just uh, an absolute killer. Yeah, I mean, that took just all the wind out of the sails. I mean, it was as devastating injury as it gets. Now they're they're super thin, and you're right. And Steph and Draymond, I don't trust either to play all 72 games. I mean, I love watching Steph, but he's going to have to carry such a load. And at this age and after the injuries, I don't know. I think Draymond's already lost a step. Like, I'm actually, I don't, some people think they still make the playoffs with, you know, Oubre and Wiggins and all that. I actually don't think they will, because I just don't think they'll stay healthy. But, look, they're, they're well coached. They'll, they'll probably run a ton and be fast. And when Curry is in there, they'll be super fun to watch. I just, I worry about the, the health for sure. And, yeah, it's just, it's a bummer, because I was really looking forward to watching them again with Thompson. Right, I, I wanted to see one last uh, run from that trio that was so good in, in 2015 and 16. Um, I thought they had a, I thought they could have been a legitimate contender if they, uh, you know, even if they would have made some of the similar moves that they made even after Clay got hurt, if they just had Clay on this team, I think they would have been a contender. Um, but uh, unfortunately, he is, uh, he's not going to be around. And uh, yeah, the the one. The one positive, and, and this was something that uh, Scott Levine and I discussed, and this was a comment by Scott that I thought was, was pretty good last week in our Top 30 Players episode. He brought up that even if the, you know, if the Warriors make the 10 seed in the play-in, all of a sudden if you've got Steph Curry and Draymond healthy and they're getting to scheme and, and play at 100% against the, the 7 seed or whatever, I would probably like their chances to uh to get in even even at the disadvantage of being on the road and and in that 10 spot having to win two games oh for sure i that would not surprise me at all i think they're going to be in the eight nine ten seed range so i think they will be a player tournament team and if they're healthy at the right time they're dangerous it just you know you don't know with them but i hope so i hope steph has like an awesome <laughs> well, and I, I should correct myself because it's not it's not uh, seven verse ten and eight verse nine. It's actually if you're the ten seed, you would play the nine seed, and then if you win that, you would play the loser of the seven and eight. So, uh, you're right. 
but but yeah, that would be uh, that would be a situation where yeah, if, if Golden State's in there at ten and and they've got their two stars healthy, I like their chances regardless of really of, of who it is uh, that they're they're going up against. So you had Golden State at fourteen. So who'd you have at at number fifteen? I had the Toronto Raptors. Okay, so uh, I'm. Uh, this is a recurring theme. Same with the Jazz. I, I, I tend to be a lot higher on watching the Raptors than you. Well, I'm higher on their record than their watchability. Yeah. I still be very good. Uh, they re-signed Van Fleet and Lowry. Like, their guards always give them a high floor. I know they lost Ibaka and Gasol, but I think getting Baines and Len and Boucher taking a larger role, they can play Siakam with the five. They'll be fine there. And I think Siakam has a bounce back after a disastrous bubble. Like he's he's definitely a better player than he showed. I think it just also showed his ceiling may not be as high as we thought. But I think he's he's still pretty good. But it just you know, they're they're almost so well coached, and perfectly executed. It's just like I know what's been, like they're a they're a bit of wake me up for the playoffs kind of team. Yeah, um, and I think a. Uh... An underrated loss for them was uh, was losing Rondé Hollis Jefferson as well. Um, you know, he was a guy that uh, you know for for large portions of the season prior to the shutdown, uh, Gasol and Ibaka were hurt, and so they had Hollis Jefferson kind of as their backup five, and and he allowed Nick Nurse to kind of go with some full court press stuff and some all switching lineups. Um, so I think Hollis Jefferson is a bit of a loss too. So yeah, I think. Uh, that that trio of of uh, of bigs that they lost is going to hurt their their ability to win games. But yeah, they they responded about as well as you could with uh, with Baines and Len. They're both guys that can stretch the floor, uh, so can recreate somewhat what they got offensively from Gasol and Ibaka, minus the Gasol's passing. Um, but uh, yeah, I I agree with you that they're they're going to be a solid team. I just you know. I love watching Kyle Lowry. I love, uh, you know, Siakam is a really fun player to watch on both ends of the floor. This, to me, this team is more just like as a nerdy defensive fan. Like, I love watching OG Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, Siakam, Van Fleet. All those guys are so fundamentally sound. They're so feisty. They're so talented on the defensive end. Uh, that's that's probably why I love watching the Raptors. And, and you know that night in, night out that they are going to compete and uh, you know Nick Nurse also with his with his experimentation and, and throwing stuff out there night in night out that you're like oh what are they doing tonight a triangle and two a box and one a full court press uh, who knows what they'll do but uh, it's always a surprise. No, yeah, he tries literally anything and everything, and that is fun. And I am a big a big Lowry fan. I do. I hope. The year where he gets old is coming. Hopefully, it's not this year, but I'm a little worried about that, even though his game is not very athletic-based. Right. But I'm with you mostly. This will be a solid team who can, you know, they can lose in the first round or make it to the conference finals. Like, neither would surprise me. Yeah. Um, so, moving on to my number 14. This is where I had the... Uh, and, I, and again, I think this is one of the teams that you're typically higher on than me, but uh, this is where I had the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, yeah, definitely higher on. Um, 
I, I like what Daryl Morey did this offseason, getting the likes of, uh, of Curry and Danny Green as shooters around uh, Simmons and Embiid. Um, there just isn't, to me, as much like intrigue and mystique around this group like there was a couple of years ago when, when Embiid and Simmons were younger. So, you know, there's, there's just not as much of that intrigue, that mystique, when you had a younger uh, Ben Simmons, a younger Embiid, uh, a Markel Fultz in the fold and, and uh, some assets still to, to play. This team kind of feels a little bit set there. Uh, I, I know this is going to be a good analog for Maury to determine, you know, what he has in Embiid and Simmons, but I'm kind of at the point where, like, I'm pretty confident I know who these players are, and uh, I don't think the two of them without a third star, frankly, is, is good enough to uh you know to compete at the highest of levels so i i agree with a lot of those points i, I also like what Morty did they got more shooting uh, especially seth curry i like that a lot because he can really really shoot and the point about losing their their mystique and intrigue they've definitely lost some no question but i still had the curiosity of you know just stay healthy at the same time. Can they reach other levels? Because they are still both young, so it wouldn't like, totally shock me. Like, can Embiid have the 99-2000 Shaq year when he's like finally super healthy? Maybe not. And then also they're interesting because they're always with Rory. They can make a, like an interesting trade. Even, like, I don't know, something massive like Simmons for Harden, which would be crazy. So... It could go several ways, as always with them. They finally got rid of Brett Brown, which, and you can, you know, debate whether or not Doc Rivers was the right coach, but I know he's a better coach than Brett Brown, which I think is interesting. And, you know, is a good young player. I like the rookie they picked. So their depth could be okay. And I think Tobias is in a better role now than he was last year, just as a four, just shoot threes, and he'll be fine. Obviously, it's still a bad contract, but, you know, he can at least be someone useful. So I, don't, I, I still have some of that intrigue, which is why I have them higher. But you're right. You, they're a team you don't want to bet on. <laughs> yeah. Because it's uh, just a Right. Um, this might be a bit of a hot take, and I'm not disagreeing with your your basic point that Doc Rivers is better a better coach than Brett Brown, but uh, I would venture to say that the gap is not as big as you're suggesting um, between those oh, two. I agree it's not huge. It could be just like I don't know a three to five percent upgrade. But, yeah. Like, you know, sometimes just that little bit can can make a difference especially if the players you know actually like him right and you know doc rivers i think uh, one thing that he's he's done pretty well as a coach in his career is he he connects with a few players on each of his rosters and gets them to play at a level that they've never played at before um and uh you know i was i was surprised that he didn't get more out of out of landry shamit because i felt like he was one of those guys that i think doc has typically succeeded with in the past um so it'll be interesting to see if he can get something um something out of the one of the bench guys maybe to to give them an added element beyond just simmons and Embiid. um but uh yeah that 
maybe I'm maybe I'm a little low, especially yeah, when you've got all of the uncertainty with what Maury could could do as far as future moves, and then also having a new coach, having a few new players. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a team that you know. This also is probably me just. Um, sort of recalibrating because I've had them very high in previous years. And then when I look back at the end of the year, I'm like, yeah, I didn't watch them uh, too much. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I remember the the first year we did this, I had Philadelphia number one, and that was like, you know, heading into the Fultz thing. And, and uh, you know, when that all kind of uh, fell apart, it was like, yeah, I, I mean, I still watched them a little bit, but yeah, nowhere close to being the number one team. So um, I might be overcompensating a bit, but yeah, I've got them at uh, at 14. You had the Warriors at 14, so let's move on to to your number 13 pick. I had the Heat. Okay, right, right. Um, so we'll we'll get to mine then. My number 13 was the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, we're fairly close. Interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm obviously intri- intrigued by. You know, with the Drew Holiday acquisition, that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, fun to watch. He's a he's a really good player, a guy that I appreciate, especially just due to his uh, his defensive chops. Um, I guess at, at what stage of the uh, you know the top thirty rankings, when when we get to a certain point, at what point can we stop saying why we've got him so low and instead say why we have them so high? <laughs> what's the what's the mark? No, I I agree with that. So yeah. I do like Drew Holiday a lot, too, but you have a good point. He's not, like, a super big deal. Like, he'll help them defensively. He's part of their closing five, which helps, because they did need one more guy to trust in that situation. But can he really make a, like, is he good enough shooter to really provide a big shooting boost? Like, how much offensive chops does he have left? Defensively, he'll be fine. So And they gave up a ton for him, of course, which is, like... So the pressure's on, and, like, this better work. I still think they'll be really good. I actually kind of like that they have less depth now because Bud will have to play his starters more, <laughs> which I think could actually help them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they're a lock to be the one seed in the East or to win. Like, they do feel like they're still missing a little bit more juice offensively. Uh, the interesting thing, I think DiVincenzo, if he could take a step with his shot, would be really big. Yes. That would help. That would be, that's like a huge swing thing for them. And then Giannis, you know, last year he was a lot better than two years ago, which was pretty crazy because he was an MVP two years ago. And I know the playoffs didn't go well, but there is a world where he takes even another step, which is wild, so... Middleton was really good last year, but he still kind of has a ceiling. And, you know, it's all about the playoffs for them now, and how does Boldenholzer, does he get outcoached again? So, And the pressure's on with the honest thing. So they're intriguing from that point. Just like, man, just the pressure's on with this team. Right. And, you know, when you talk about their playoff struggles, the two the two big weaknesses, one was shooting. They didn't, they... They took a lot of threes, but didn't make a lot. And when yeah. you talk about Drew Holiday and DiVincenzo and Lopez, like you're all like, you, if you say, yeah, uh, if DiVincenzo can take a leap as a three point shooter, if Holiday can take a leap, if Brooke Lopez can take a leap, if all those guys take a leap, they would become average three point shooters. Um, yeah. They were all below average last year. So 
it, I still think they, the, the starting lineup lacks shooting. And then also they lack that playmaker outside of Giannis to really, um, you know, against locked-in elite defenses to, to be the ball handler. Um, I thought Bogdanovich was, was such a, a, a big blow because I think he fixed both of those issues, not completely, but a decent amount. Um, I agree. That would have really helped. And I also think they'll miss George Hill a bit. Yeah, uh, Wesley Matthews as well. Big loss. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's questionable what um, uh, what they're going to look like. Uh, yeah, I agree with you that they're probably going to take a small step back in the regular season. Uh, and, and, yeah, as far as a watchability standpoint, yeah, Giannis is still incredibly fun to watch, but it is also... Uh, you know, kind of repetitive. It's just Giannis grab rebound, run floor. Uh, <laughs> you know, try to dunk uh, or pass to a three point to an average three point shooter. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's such the booted holder system. You you know a Milwaukee game before you see it for sure. Yeah, it's um, a little higher just because like the pressure's on, and I like watching teams that have a lot of pressure and see how they handle it. Exactly, and and yeah, I've already mentioned I, I enjoy watching the good teams that the games actually matter, and and uh, yeah, you know, um, Chris Middleton is another guy that I think when he gets hot, he is a really fun guy to, to flip to and on league pass. Yeah, you had uh, you had Miami then at thirteen, so let's move to your number twelve selection. The Portland Trailblazers. Okay, so I'm significantly higher on Portland than you this year. So, I love watching Damian Lillard play. He's as explosive as it gets. He's, I mean, he just pulls up from like 35 feet and makes them fairly regularly. It's pretty ridiculous. And CJ McCollum, obviously, is one of the saucier handles in the league. They're just, you know, something always happens with them. (laughs) Someone just gets hurt at the wrong time. I'm not. Like, Zach Collins, every, every year is like, oh, we like his game, but he just always gets hurt. So, trusting the health, and I did like the Covington trade, though. That should make him better. And they played some good basketball down the stretch. Uh, I still worry about their team defense as a whole. Can they be good enough to be a real, legit contender in the West? And can they finally stay healthy as well? If they can, maybe I will bump them up higher, but... I just think there's always a bit of a ceiling on, on their backcourt, which is unfortunate because they are super entertaining to watch. Yeah, I guess the the thing for me, yeah, I agree with you. I love the Covington acquisition. I loved uh, getting Derek Jones Jr. in free agency. Um, I'm pretty happy with the swaps of uh, Cantor for Whiteside and then Rodney Hood for Hazonia. I think both of those are improvements for the team as well. Um, so I think across the board, they got better. Of course, Gary Trent Jr., his play in the bubble was a huge revelation. I think they have an ability to withstand injuries now more than they've had in the past. You know, if Lillard or if one of Lillard or McCollum gets hurt, they just put Trent Jr. into the starting lineup. And while yes, they, no team is better when they lose their, uh, one of their top three players. Uh, I, I think it's a situation where in past years the drop-off was huge, whereas now not as significant. Um, you talk about uh, having Carmelo as potentially like a ninth or tenth man. You know, If they have some front-court injuries, they've still got some depth there. 
even if uh, Nurkic is hurt, they can. They've still got Collins and Cantor at center. So this this roster is a lot deeper than it's been in the past, and uh, they can withstand an injury or two. And this team is going to be unbelievable offensively. And as you said, the the big sticking point for if this team is a contender or not is just how improved is the defense going to be. I think they can be significantly better and be at the very worst, like an average defense, especially, you know, they've already announced that that Covington and Jones Jr. are starting at the three and the four. Um, Their front court with those two and Nurkic, that's, you know, one of the better defensive front courts in the entire NBA. You bring up a good point that they don't have Hazonia and Hassan Whiteside on their team anymore, so, (laughs) like, that is just great in itself, and Trent obviously took a big step, and they get Hood back, and Bello is even still useful, so you're right. Maybe I was a little, little too harsh. It just, I, I just don't know about the playoffs. But you're right; they're they're an entertaining team that should be. They they could they could host a, a series in the first round. It's definitely possible. Well, I guess the, yeah. The the one downside of no longer having Whiteside in his own, yeah, there's less opportunities for Shacked and a fool moments in uh, in Portland <laughs> this season. Just those, uh, and of course, Whiteside went to the Kings. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just of course. Um, so, so you had Portland at twelve. Uh, we'll we'll get to where I have them um, a little bit later. But uh, my number twelve is the Dallas Mavericks. Ooh, okay, I was way higher than. So my big my big issue with this is, uh, and why I have them twelve is Porzingis. Uh, similar to why I was a little lower on Memphis uh, without Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, you know, Porzingis is going to miss the start of the season. Who knows how many games he's going to play, but uh, especially with the, the the condensed, truncated version of a season we're getting, I would be surprised if he even played 40 of the 72 games. Yeah, it really is getting worrisome, which, which sucks, because I love watching him play, but yeah. So yeah, like uh, similar with Memphis, you know, if if John ja JJJ were playing sixty of the seventy two, I would be very high on them. I'd be very high on Dallas if I got to see Luca and Porzingis together. With just Luca, you know, Luca on his own is putting them at twelve, which uh, you know is is pretty impressive. He's that fun to watch. Um, but I also think you know some of the improvements they've made, uh, you know, swapping. Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, while yes, it improves their defense uh, and improves them probably as just in general as a team, I think it hurts their watchability. I love watching Seth Curry play um, in, the, in the bubble, watching uh, Trey Burke as well. There's a question whether Trey Burke will be the same level of player this season as he was in the bubble, but uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, on the fringes, I'm also, I was also a big DeLon Wright fan. I really enjoyed watching him and he's now in Detroit. So there's just a bunch of things on the fringes that makes me less excited, but but yeah, Luke on his own makes them a borderline top ten league pass team. That's why I was high on them. It's Luca, and I'm curious to see if he could take like if this is his MVP year, he could take another step. And as long as Porzingis, like I just hope I know he'll miss some time in the beginning, but he's just healthy for the playoffs. I think they could survive a bit without him. I like the Richardson move. Hopefully Brunson comes back. I think he's super underrated and can really help them. Uh, Tim Hardaway randomly like goes off some nights. <laughs> yeah. Like when he's hot, it's like just ridiculous. 
Yeah, and he, uh, I think he did a little bit better job of threading that needle of recognizing he's not the go-to guy, uh, but still having that unwavering confidence in his own abilities. Yes. And, uh, yeah, when he gets hot, he can take some, some questionable shots, but uh, they, they, they sometimes go in as well. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I have no issue with you having them significantly higher. Uh, it's, it's mainly the, the Porzingis thing, and, yeah, some of those role players aren't as exciting for me to watch as, as what they had previously. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be a good team. And, and, yeah, you were saying, you know, if this is the year Luka takes another leap and, and is an MVP, I think then the question has to be, well, how many MVPs is he going to win if he's winning one this year? Right. And, I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, what was it, like 29-9 and nine last year? It's just crazy. And if he could be even better than that, and Dallas is, like, you know, in the mix of even hosting a playoff series in the first round, then he'll definitely have a case. So I'm just, ex- I'm just excited to watch that. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, so number 11 is where I had the Timberwolves. Okay. So uh, who did you have in that spot? The Atlanta Hawks. Okay, I've got them one spot higher. I've got the Hawks at number 10. Uh, so they obviously did a lot of shopping this summer. Yes. Bogdanovich, Gallinari, uh, Don, Rondo. So they have super deep. Uh, they're more versatile with their lineups, which I like now. I wouldn't have done the Gallinari move over pay, and, but, you know, he could be useful. It's only two guaranteed years, though. That's true. That's what I was just about to say. Like, So it's not, like, egregious or anything. Uh, my question is just, like, what do they do with John Collins now? Like, they have Capella coming back, plus they just drafted a center from USC. So where are they going to play him the most? Do they consider trading him before they extend him? Um... You know, how are they going to prioritize the veterans versus developing the young guys like Reddish and Herder and um, Hunter? So I'm not quite sure what they look like. I think they'll be a very good offensive team. I still think they'll be pretty bad on defense, even though guys like Dunn should help that. I do like the Bogdanovich signing a lot to get Young off the ball, hopefully, and someone who could carry the offense when he sits because it was just a disaster last year when he sat. Yeah. Uh, so they should be right in the mix for the eighth seed uh, in the East. And I know they're a team that, obviously, they're like, we have to make the playoffs this year. So they're, they're in the all-in eighth seed. Um, I think a little people, some people are a little higher on them than I am because I still have a lot of questions. But they should be entertaining as hell, like top 10 for sure, or 11. Yeah. Um, I have them as... Uh... I have them in Washington kind of duking it out for the eighth seed in the East. Same. And yeah, I, I'm in agreement with pretty much everything you said. I just like a lot of these guys. Uh, to, I like watching Trey Young, obviously. He's a terrific offensive player, great passer. He has a couple of wow plays every single night. You know, uh, Bogdanovich is a fun guy to watch. He's got that, uh, you know, that cool kind of, uh, that, that cool confidence level uh, at, at the end of games. Clint Capella... Danilo Gallinari, you know, yeah, the John Collins, they've just got so many talented guys, and yeah, there's still enough young intrigue uh, amongst their their uh, their uh, their core with uh, you mentioned him, Herder and uh, Hunter and Reddish. 
So yeah, they, they've got a lot of mouths to feed, but uh, I think they're going to be better. They're going to be another team that's a really good offensive team and a really bad defensive team. Uh, but yeah. this this is going to be one where uh, I think the offense is going to be so fun to watch that uh, I, I'm willing to concede that even though they're 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 going to be a turnstile on defense, I'm I'm okay with that to a certain extent. Yeah, because you know their goal is eight seed, and you could you could be the eight seed in the East, terrible in defense as long as you're really good on offense, and so that's entertaining. And I like a lot of their guys. Like I really like watching John Collins play. That dude's a beast. I like Reddish. I like Herder. So I mean, they'll be fun, no question. So. um yeah, my 10 was the Atlanta, my 9 was Toronto, and my 8 was Utah. So all three of those teams we've already gone, uh, we've, we've, we've talked about. So who was your number 10? So 10 was the Wizards who we talked about. Uh, so my 9, a team we haven't talked about, was Boston. Okay, I have them at 7. So Boston I think will be really good, although Kemba's knee is concerning. He's going to miss a little time, and... I just hope it doesn't become one of those lingering things because that, that could down. But and obviously, you know, I love Kemba. I love watching him play. But, but Tatum took a huge step last year. If he could take another one, they get super interesting. Um, they're a really good defensive team. They're well coached. Brown, smart. Uh, even Robert Williams was like a good big. They got Tristan Thompson, I think, will help. Tice is still solid. Grant Williams was a good rookie for them, so he should get more minutes, make him a little bit deeper. I, uh, who did? Oh, they got Jeff Teague, who's like, uh, that's a fine backup point guard. When they lost, they let Wanamaker, Brad Wanamaker, go. That's right. That's who I was thinking of. Um, so we'll see. We'll see about the rookie, too, with Neesmith, another shooter. So hopefully they're a little deeper this year, and if Tatum could take another step, they're... They're a legit contender with Kemba healthy, so uh, I'm excited to watch. I think they're gonna be they're pretty pretty good. Yeah, I um I didn't like what they did with the veterans around the fringes. You know, I I thought Cantor was a nice fit there, even more so than Thompson because Cantor brought something that none of the other centers really really provide, which is that offensive punch. And Thompson is more just like kind of a combination of of Grant Williams and uh, Daniel Tice really <laughs> so I, I I didn't love that I I don't like the Teague for Wanamaker swap that they they decided on even though it may help them in the regular season especially if Kemba's going to be out for for certain periods of time I think that'll help in the regular season hurt in the playoffs which I think they should be focused on the postseason a lot of it's just going to come down to their young talent yeah does does do the, the Grant Williams, Robert Williams of the world take a leap? Uh, do uh, Romeo Langford and uh, Aaron Nesmith, do, do those guys, do those guys uh, step in and become, one of those become a solid wing rotation player? Uh, it's, it's really going to come down to that. And also, as you mentioned, the, the Tatum-Brown duo, uh, do those guys take another leap? And so... It's it's a big bet from Ainge on internal development because uh, you know just based on his moves, I don't think the team got better. I agree. They did nothing like super wow or splash, and I wonder if they're going to make another move by the deadline. Um, 
But yeah, I think they are betting on can Tatum become a solid top ten guy? Can Jalen Brown be a consistent All Star? I think both are possible. You just don't know if like this is the year they both take a leap together at the same time. But it'll be interesting. I mean, like, I really like Tatum. But. Yeah, and a uh, few off the court things for Boston. Uh, uh, sadly, uh, the the passing of uh, of Tommy Heinsohn, a Celtics legend, not only as a player but uh, was was a broadcaster for a long time, a guy that uh, was uh, as much of a homer as you could possibly get in as an announcer. But uh, you, you had to love his uh, passion and enthusiasm for the Celtics franchise. And then also the uniforms that they have this year that they showed. It's like the part of the city edition uniforms. Theirs were kind of, to me, the ugliest out of the batch. Uh, they're all white with a bunch of green lettering uh, with no sort of picture on them at all. I thought they were terrible. Terrible. Definitely one of the worst city editions, if not the worst by far. Totally agree. Yeah, so... Um, Just disappointed. Yes. Uh, so you had, them, you had the Celtics at nine, I had them at seven. Who did you have at number eight? Bucks, okay. And then uh, let's move on to your number seven, then. I had the Pelicans. That's how I had them. Okay. Um, yeah, any any other thoughts on the Bucks or Pelicans before we move into our, our top six? Uh, I want the Bucks to work. I want Giannis to stay. It would be a win for small markets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um... It's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be insane because uh, yeah, it uh, if he doesn't sign prior to the season, which I think he has till the till basically the opening night to to sign on the dotted line. If that doesn't happen, yeah, as, as you said earlier, the pressure is just gonna mount. And uh, yeah, I've 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 uh, never considered. Well, I shouldn't even say that the the idea that like well then they have to win the championship, but. Is there a reality? I think there is a reality where they win a title and Giannis still leaves. It's possible. Yeah, you can't rule it out for sure. I mean, it's more unlikely than the the opposite way. Because, I mean, looking at this roster, uh, especially without getting Bogdanovich, uh, you've got Holiday, who's basically 30, Middleton's around 30, Lopez is past 30, their whole core, other than uh, like Giannis and DiVincenzo, are are really you know at their peak or past their peak already. So um, and they have a lot of picks to get younger. So I mean, it's now. <laughs> yeah. So, like you know, it wouldn't shock me if Giannis even like recognizing, oh yeah, we won the title, but this is the best this core is ever going to be. You know, why am I choosing to spend the next five years here when I can I can seek more championships, say, in Dallas or Miami or Toronto, uh, where, you know, all those teams have multiple young players to build around? Um, next offseason will be crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Bucks. Uh, as far as the off-court drama in terms of the reporters asking all of the, the questions day in, day out, they're certainly going to be number one on... on uh, on the, the news headlines. but um, So let's move to, uh, to number six, and uh, this is where I have the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Okay, I had them at five, so we're very close. Okay, and I had the Lakers at five, who you already uh, touched on. So um, 
with the Clippers, you know, there's uh, there's obviously going to probably be more. There's going to be more of that load management, I would imagine, with Kawhi and and, and Paul George and and some of their older guys. I am excited to see what Serge Ibaka looks like on this team. I, uh, you know, I don't think a lot has changed as, as far as my opinion on this team from from uh, or this year compared to last. But you know, I, I enjoy watching their better players and uh, will continue to do so. Yeah, so obviously they they had an epic, just epic collapse. Like I had never seen anything like that last year. Yeah. This is still a very good team. Even though the pressure's on, because both Kawhi and PG are free agents next year. But I think they'll be very good. I really like the Ibaka signing. They really need rim protection. I don't I don't even think Harrell's like that. It's a bit of a loss, but like a regular season loss, like it's okay. I even like the Kennard move. I think he's another good shooter who could do like a little secondary playmaking. But it's, it's up to their two guys, and... I believe in them still. Even though Paul George faded, I think he has a big bounce back year. He's still a really good player. And I think Kawhi has a kind of a mad, angry year too. So I think this is still like a very good team who, like it would not shock me if they're the one seed in the West. It wouldn't. Yeah. I, the, the favorite, I would still bet the Lakers, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. the um, I'm not as high on the Kennard thing. I, I actually like Shamit more than him as a player, but... Uh, the one thing Kennard does open up is a potential to trade Lou Williams uh, and maybe get something that is a better fit, uh, whereas, yeah, Kennard can kind of fill that role better than, than Shamit would. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't like their depth as much, even though, you know, Serge Ibaka as a center provides the kind of two-way play and that rim protection um, that neither Jamichael Green or Harold brought. Uh, but just not having one less big man to go to with, you know, that means that injuries could be more impactful to the Clippers this year than, than, than in previous seasons. So their depth is a little bit hurt, although I like their closing five. If, you know, if the five is Beverly, George, Kawhi, Morris, and Ibaka, I like that. Uh, I like that closing five more than their closing five last year. That's a good closing five. Um, but, uh, yeah, their their depth is hurt. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much of an upgrade, if at all, Ty Lue is to Doc Rivers. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be an intriguing team. And certainly, yeah, they're they're up there again. As I had them last year as championship favorites, they're up there again. I, I don't know if I'll pick them as my favorite, but they're, they're, in, the, they're in the top tier for sure. Yeah, I think they're the second best team in the West, if you had to ask right now, that's who I would probably pick. I think they're behind the league. I would put them two. But, you know, it's how they respond to this with the new coach. I mean, it'll be interesting. And Like Milwaukee, I think they're, they're a pressure team. Yep. Uh, a lot on the line with, uh, with George and Leonard potentially being able to opt out. So, uh, Evan, who did you have at number six? The Phoenix Suns. Okay, so uh, I'm actually a lot higher on the Suns than six. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to watch them this year. I mean, I mean, they're going for it. I love watching Devin Booker play. He took a huge step last year. He was incredible in the bubble. He's a really, really good player. Just so gifted offensively. and Just shooting and passing. He can score in so many ways. And 
now they're getting young guys who complement them. Aiden took a big step last year. Cam Johnson was like a solid stretch four. Bridges is really good on defense and is becoming better on offense. And Chris Paul showed last year he's still a really good player, <laughs> even at his age. And I think he complements Booker beautifully. I think they'll definitely they'll be a playoff team in the West. It may only be like six or seven or whatever, but they should make it. Uh, they're fairly deep. They're heading the right direction. And for a team who's just been in the dumps for like the past nine years in an absolute mess, they're finally exciting, and they should finally be good. So, I mean, I'm pumped to watch. Yeah, um, agreed with all of that. Uh, yeah, they've got some fun, like, uh, you know, both sides of the floor. I think Booker and Aiton are really fun to watch offensively. I'm excited to see Aiton's development. Uh, the and yeah, on defense with Mikael Bridges and Chris Paul, they've got a couple of guys that are really fun to watch. Get their hands on balls and 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 make plays on that end. And yeah, I think they're going to be. Uh, I'm right there with you, thinking they're probably at uh, you know six through eight in the West. So yeah, I'm I'm very high on them. Uh, I'll I'll mention a few more of the reasons why I'm high on them as a league pass team when we get to them on my list, but. Uh, yeah, so at five, you had the Clippers, I had the Lakers. So moving on to my number four, this is where I had the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, I'll just mention one more thing about Portland before we move to your number four. But uh, I really love the the new court design that uh, the Portland is, uh, is going to have this year. It's got one baseline is red, one baseline is black, and then at half court, you've got kind of a mesh of the two colors coming together. I think that's a really neat, uh, inventive design, but... Uh, yeah, was there anything else about Portland you wanted to discuss before we move on to, to year number four? Yeah, I do love their jerseys and their court, too, so that's a good point. Yeah, the, the Rip City uniforms are nice. Yeah, they're great. They're great. So, yeah, who do you have at, uh, at, at number four? At number four, I had the Sixers. Okay, nice. Um, so, uh, endlessly fascinated. Yes. Uh, so, moving on to the top three now. Uh, getting down to the end here. At number three, this is where I have the Denver Nuggets. I also have them at three. Okay. Uh, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about what makes you excited to watch uh, uh, the Denver Nuggets this season? Well, it's Jokic. Yeah. The most fun player to watch. And they were so fun in the bubble. They went on such a great run. I mean, coming back from two, three, one deficits, especially against the Clippers. Murray took a huge leap. Um, and those two, I mean, they're just so great together. They add, they become better players than individuals and together every year, which I think is kind of lost these days. There's very few players who, like, grow together because there's so much player movement now. Yeah. But I really like that they're staying together and getting better as a just a duo. And then they have the Michael Porter swing factor. How big of a jump does he take? They get Will Barton back, too, who I think can help them, too. They miss him a little bit in the playoffs. I think they'll be really good. Offensively, they're just super fun to watch. And I think they're, they're like, recently they've been like, oh, they're fun, but how seriously do we take them? And I think now they're reaching serious contender status. So I'm excited to watch. 
Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit lower on their contender status at the, the contender status aspect of that comment just because of uh, the losses that they had, especially with Jeremy Grant gone now, and they didn't really replace him. Um, now you can say that Will Barton is the replacement, and I think in the regular season that'll be perfectly fine. But when it comes to the playoffs, Will Barton can't defend guys like Kawhi and LeBron James. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be absolutely a, a joy to watch. You, you mentioned the trio of Jokic, Murray, and Porter. Uh, those guys are going to put on highlight reel after highlight reel night in, night out during the regular season. Those three alone are uh, going to make them really, really fun. And, yeah, the team is going to be good. They're going to win a lot of games. I just, uh, I'm just i a little bit lower on, uh, on the, the final result in terms of them being a, a, you know, even as good as they were necessarily last year. Uh, I, I like the my or the Jamichael Green acquisition as a response to uh, to Jeremy Grant, but they they kind of play different positions. You know, Jamichael Green can't play the three, whereas Jeremy Grant can. I, I I'm still waiting for them as well with their uniforms to bring back the baby blue. Oh, I miss the baby blue too. They they've I do like the rainbow ones though. They have some good ones still, but I agree. I was a big baby blue fan. Yeah, there is. I also wonder if they make a move at the deadline, maybe try to package depth and try to get, you know, some a real third guy if Porter doesn't become that guy. And also, I forgot, who knows if he becomes anything or ever is healthy, but they have mobile. mobile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. In the, in the regular season, I'm sure he'll get some run, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what sort of steps he takes. I, I wonder if he'll ever be... A uh, actual like uh, performer in the playoffs, just given his uh, mobility issues, but uh, but he certainly is very skilled. Yeah, it's just like I don't even know what you do with him, but it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, <I'll> watch it. <laughs> so uh, at number two, this is where I had the Phoenix Suns, and uh, just a few other comments about the Suns. Uh, Eddie Johnson is a color guy. I've mentioned him, I think, on every one of these podcasts. He does a great job. He's a he's just a really funny guy. It, it has been disappointing I, because I was such a fan of him on the broadcast. I started following him on Twitter, and he's had some some questionable takes on Twitter, to say the least. Um, but uh, he certainly is uh, is pretty good, at, just in, in terms of that entertainment factor, uh, keeping you engaged even when the games might be out of reach. Uh, and then also the the Valley uniforms. I don't know if you saw these, Evan, but uh, another city edition. Uh, they they look pretty fantastic as well. Those are fresh. I like it. They have some good uniforms. I like their orange ones too. Yeah, Gordon. I'm a fan. They're they're be good. They're exciting. I I really hope it works. They've been so terrible. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a team I'm rooting for this year. Right. Um, so who did you have at number two? I had Dallas, so we have the same one. All right, then that is the uh, the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, there's there's a there's a lot to like. I mean, I would give them an A plus on just about every category. You know, we last year we we broke down, or it might have been the first year we did this. We broke down kind of the different categories, what we look for, whether that's star talent, whether that's a team being competitive in terms of wins and losses, whether that's, uh, um, you know, the broadcast crew, the aesthetics, like the court design jerseys. I think they nail it out of the park. They're A-plus on every category. They've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm absolutely fascinated to watch those two play together. 
They've got uh, Ian Eagle and Sarah Kustak in the in the broadcast department. They're probably the best crew in the league. Uh, their new tie dye uniforms look amazing. Uh, like ninety ninety one throwbacks. Uh, their their gray court was one of the highlights of last season, and I think they're continuing with that as well. So yeah, just across the board, A plus. Uh, they're to me a clear number one on this list. For sure, I can't wait to watch and can't wait to see what it looks like. Um, I love Devin Kevin Durant, kind of you know having his team again and seeing what he looks like after injury. I'm a big Kevin Durant fan, just as a player. And I think he will bounce back and be really good. And Kyrie Irving, and it's a shame he's kind of, you know, prickly, <laughs> to say the word. Because that's what everyone thinks of him now. But, man, as a player, I think he's like a top five fun player for me. I mean, just the handle, the finishing ability, the shooting. And when he was healthy last year, he was putting up just insane numbers. So I really... Offensively, I think they'll be great. Plus, they have tons of good, like young players who are fun with Levert and Didwitty and Harris. Who knows if they make another deal to try to get a third star with Irving, Durant, uh, Jared Allen. Steve Nash as a coach is interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, didn't see that coming, so we'll see how that looks. And look, they, you could tell me they're the one seed in the East. I'd say okay. You could tell me they have a kind of disappointing regular season and they're like the sixth seed and I'll be like sure but they're dangerous in the playoffs at the same time like it can go a lot of ways yeah and uh you know the the drama off the court is going to be fascinating as well you know we've already heard that Kyrie Irving is going to do a blackout for the media this season (laughs) yeah um the you said the the Steve Nash head coaching thing that could you know that could go great or that could go sideways pretty quick the, the fact that they have so many decent role players as well and, and guys on tradable contracts, you you know they are one of the teams that could make another big trade as well. So uh, just from every angle, this team is, is absolutely fascinating. No question about it. By far the team I want to watch the most. Really wish it wasn't a pandemic. I would go to a lot of their games otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Evan, I've had you on for, for basically two hours at this point. This was uh, this was a blast, as always, to do with you. Thanks so much for, for coming on and taking the time. My pleasure, Garrett. Thanks for having me, bud. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review preferably five stars, and uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be... uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine including soccer and film and television so uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week you can find me there you can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at Corbin NBA that's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A so uh, he uh, he does a does a good job on Twitter as well he's very active 
I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.